0: sense the presence of the Lord in this place and it seems like the excitement and it's just building and building and building and we are going to be in for a wonderful, wonderful two and a half days or three of worshiping and hearing the word. You just don't want to miss one thing. You just don't want to miss one thing. And I thought tonight, I believe that every lady that is sitting in this place tonight is present because you desire to achieve your destined, destined success. I believe that of all of us because what inside, there is something special inside of us. We are unique women made by God for a special purpose. We have a purpose and God is calling us To fulfill that purpose and that calling. You know, the Lord doesn't waste anything. And and I believe with all of my heart, ladies, this is our day. This is our day. We're here to to see where we've been, where we've come from, and where we are. And we want to cut away all the unnecessary things and release God's time capsule that's within us to be used in the kingdom of God I don't know about you but I never think we peak out we never get get bit too high Where there's always something that we can do all of us and I think you're the, that's the reason we're here in this conference this weekend is that we want to fulfill our ultimate purpose and I believe God's here and there's women of God here and even a man of God here to help us reach that potential. And tonight, one of those ladies is a special lady by the name of Sister Laura Wagner. She's an ordained minister, a dynamic teacher, whom we are privileged to have with us tonight. She's a best-selling author of over 25 books, which have sold over 60,000 copies, and I hope you'll visit her booth Let's give her a little plug and everybody visit her book and look at her books and her material because her works include insightful topical Bible studies, biography, discipleship, Christian growth, inspirational books, and even Christian historical fiction. She's continually creating resources to inspire women To daily walk, as well as supplying those who are ministry minded special training to prepare them for their work. Since 2007, she's traveled across North America and overseas, ministering in retreats, revivals, conferences, church services, seminars, camp meetings, and special events. Her vibrant faith sparks hope and encourages others to draw closer to God. She encourages women to overcome their challenges of life and walk in victory. And don't we all want that tonight? The Bethlehem Church and the Her Conference are privileged and honored to have her with us. And we're going to at this time invite her to the pulpit to minister to this congregation We want her to do it in liberty. We want her to do it in the anointing. Let the Holy Ghost rest upon her and give her a great welcome as she comes. Oh, praise the Lord, everybody.
1: Hallelujah. Don't you love what you feel in this place? I love what I feel in this place. There is nothing like the presence
2: of the Lord.
1: for the expectation that we already feel for all the things that you're going to do among us in this beautiful conference where we're believing for greater healing because sometimes we don't get it all at once because we couldn't handle it God's a gentleman but there's layers of healing there's layers of healing and there's restoration hallelujah and I really believe in empowerment. God has given you His spirit. He's given you his spirit. You have everything that you need to succeed in God. Thank you to Sister Hughes and Company. It's so nice to meet Sister Wilson. Sister Payne, you did a beautiful job leading us into worship. And it's good to be here. My uh, friend and compadre, a full-time evangelist, Sister Carrie McCoy, is also here for a couple of the services. And Sister Burton, it's a joy to be here with all of you. I won't keep you standing long, but I'm just so thankful. I'm so thankful to be here with you. Uh, I met your Pastor V at Urshan. We took classes together. And, you know, you're just there to learn some things, but God connects you And he changes your life through your studies and through the relationships that you develop. Today we're going to be looking at a very, very important message. I believe it's a foundational message. I don't pastor. I'm not on... Staff At a church I'm on a regular rotation At my church But what my calling is In this season Is to go from church To church To church And place To place To place And when you have That type of a ministry The Lord gives you A message That he wants To get across To his church To his people And this message That I want to share With you today I have preached it All over the world Because God Wants his Daughters, his daughters, he will need you to be free from shame. He needs you to be free so that you can be activated and do all the things that he's called you to do. And so tonight we're going to look at uh, some words of the Lord. We're going to begin with two passages of scripture. We're going to read from the Old Testament and the New. And I greet you on behalf of my husband. We've prayed together for this event. From Isaiah chapter 54 and verse 4. The word of the Lord says, Fear not, for thou shalt not be ashamed. Neither shalt thou be confounded, for thou shalt not be put to shame. Anybody here glad for that word of the Lord? But it gets even better. For thou shalt forget the shame of thy youth I don't know about you. I'm thankful that the shame of my youth, is going to be forgotten. Man, the shame of my last week, if I messed up, it's all forgotten. Hallelujah. God invites us into his courts. He invites us into his presence. We will forget the shame of our youth once and for all. And from the New Testament, Romans chapter 8 and verse 1, a very familiar passage. There is therefore now, how much? No condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. You got to be in Christ Jesus or you might be but if you're in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation for those who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. Hallelujah. Aren't you thankful? Let's just thank him together. God, we thank you for your word because we've done some foolish things in our lives. We've lived according to our own desires and gone our own ways. But you're so good. You're so faithful. You're so merciful. Your grace it just keeps pouring out every day. Your mercy comes new with every sunrise. You are for us, not a- against us. You are for us, not against us. Hallelujah. No shame, no guilt. You've made us free by your great love. Hallelujah. So that we could walk in liberty by the power of your spirit. Thank you, Lord. We ask your blessing upon our time together upon this word and we worship you today in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. I am so thankful for so many things. First of all, Brother Woodward's not here yet. (laughs) Second, that I get to go first. And second. I'm I'm up first tomorrow so I don't have to worry if I'm going to steal somebody else's message or whatever. I'm just free to say whatever the Lord has put on my heart and not worry about anything else except the except the time constraints tomorrow. And I know that there's a meal over there, but I believe that there is God. God wants to do something here today. Amen. And so a few years ago, I had the opportunity to minister in New Brunswick, Canada, where Brother Woodward is from. And I thought I was really cool because I was in New Brunswick. I had a rental car. I was in a foreign country driving a rental car, going from one ministry gig to the next. How cool. Right? That was cool. And so, but while, and and if you've ever been to New Brunswick, there are lots of trees, trees everywhere, and there's also lots of hills, lots of hills. And so it had, there'd been a dry spell and it had rained the night before after a drought. And as I was driving uh, on those hilly roads, I kept seeing what looked like water on the road ahead, even at the top of a hill. Have you ever seen that? There's water up there. You just, you see it, but then you get there and there's no water, right? Have you, I'm not alone, right? You've seen that, right? Well, so it was, it's what it is. It's an optical illusion. And it reminded me of something that I'd learned recently about the Titanic. I know you probably think I am bouncing all over the place, but we're going to get somewhere. Did you know that after a hundred years of investigations, many people now believe that it was an optical illusion that caused the unsinkable Titanic to sink. You know, for years and years, they had interviews with people. This person was on that ship, and that person was there, and all these people were giving their testimony. They were taking lie to test their tests, and they were telling what they really saw. How could it add up? They were all telling and the lie detector tests were saying, well, it sounds like they're really telling the story, but things aren't adding up. The reason is they saw different things. It was an optical illusion, it's when uh, it bends light and it creates a mirage. And we usually think about a mirage in the desert that happens. I bet you probably might have some around here in a hot summer day. But we think about a mirage in the desert that happens when the warm air causes what looks like pools of water on the ground. But there's also this phenomenon called a superior mirage. And it creates a false horizon. And the weather that the night the Titanic sank was said to be absolutely extraordinary, And one of the calmest and clearest nights in the history of the North Atlantic. So, the weather and the atmospheric conditions caused those people on watch to see a smooth horizon instead of an iceberg until it was too late. There's power in an illusion, there's power in an illusion. You know, having a wrong perspective can really mess up your life. But I believe that it's God's will to set his children free from some illusions, from some wrong perspectives, that there are people that are here in this room tonight that God wants to set free from the things of the past, things that have held you back so that you can move forward into a new season, into a healthier, wholer you. Now, a few years ago, I was preparing to speak at a ladies' conference. And, you know, you get scheduled for these things in advance, usually months in advance. And so you're praying about it, God. You've got to show me what. I want to minister to the ladies. You know, I have lots of messages. I could just pull one out of a holster and shoot them with it. <laughs> but I didn't want to do that. I was like, God, I want to minister to these ladies. What do you want me to speak to them? And you know what I got? Zip. Zip. Zero, nothing, nada. Has God ever just gone quiet on you? And so I'm like, well, God, if you're not talking to me, I'm going to go have lunch. So I went to the kitchen, and I got some food, and I went to the living room. Actually, I didn't even sit at the table. I was just sitting there looking out the window. We had chickens up at the house at that time, up at the upper level, and and I was watching them. Um, Anybody here have chickens? They're like a feathery aquarium. They just you just watch them move around and peck, and they're pretty, and they just, you know, you can just watch them and just blank. I, that's what I was doing. I was just blanking out, eating my food, and uh, watching the chickens. But while I did, I got this reboot, and I got this download from God. A thought came to me. Have you ever had a thought that you didn't think? It was just there in your head, and you were like, whoa, I got a word. I got a word from God, and he gave me Three words, and those words were the Scarlet Letter. Now, the Scarlet Letter was required reading when I was in high school. Anybody else have to read it? Probably in my same age group. You younger ones don't know, so I'm going to tell you a little bit about the story. But I first of all want to tell you that it was written in the 1800s by a man named Nathaniel Hawthorne. Now, Hawthorne's story is interesting. This is a real interesting side note because Nathaniel Hawthorne was related to people named Haythorne. His name was Haythorne. He was related to the judge, one of the judges on the Salem witch trials. He was related to uh, the person before him, the great-great-grandpa, who uh, persecuted the Quakers, drug half-naked women through the streets in the name of the Lord. You know, so he was like, he was like feeling this connection with his family. And he's like, I don't want to be connected with his family. I want a new start. And so it was written that Nathaniel Hawthorne never escaped a sense of guilt for what his family had done. Which leads to the writing of the scarlet letter. Now, that was a very complex book, and we're not even going to look at the full thing. But I just have to give you this much of it so that you'll understand the point that I'm making tonight. For those of you who haven't read it, the setting was 17th century Boston, and it was a Puritan settlement. And the main character in the story is a 16-year-old girl named Hester Prynne. Anybody here 16? Anybody here ever been 16? Okay. Now, imagine... You're a 16-year-old girl, and you're forced into a marriage with a man who's much older than you that you really don't care for. Anybody tracking with that? (laughs) Kind of creepy. Nobody wants to go there. So now imagine, this is the 17th century, and he's like, you know what? We're going to leave here, and we're going to go across the ocean, and we're going to make a house in America. Well, So you go first, and I'll meet you there. So she did And she set up the house in, but he never showed up. He never showed up. And it thinks he didn't show up for so long that he was assumed lost at sea. So Hester was all alone, and she didn't ever know if her husband was ever going to show up or not. And so she got into a relationship, and she became pregnant. And she gave birth to a little girl named Pearl, but she refused to identify the father. Now, Hester was shunned because that wasn't the thing to do, right? And she was forced, her husband did show up, by the way, he was alive. But she was forced to wear a scarlet letter, a red letter A, on her clothes everywhere that she went as her punishment. And the A that Hester wore symbolized that she was an adulterer. It was a symbol of shame. Shame. And she was not allowed to go out in public without it. So the stories had many had many twists and turns from there, but the point I want to make is that the scarlet letter was a badge of shame. She was shamed, she was disgraced, she was dishonored. And everywhere she went, everybody knew it. She heard the ladies whispering. She saw the children pointing. What's that? She saw the reproachful glances of the men. Everywhere she went. So back to preparing to speak. I realized that the the Lord had given me that thought of the scarlet letter, and I was really excited. So I was like, "All right, I'm gonna go pack. I'll work on the message later." So I went to my uh, my bedroom and I threw open my suitcase. And I had a Pandora station I was sh- sharing with my daughter. I didn't know what was going to come up. I just put that station on to play, and a song came on, and I just started crying. Because God was speaking to my heart. It was a G.T. Haywood song. I see a crimson stream of blood. And I, as I heard the words of the song playing, I saw a picture in my mind of the red letter, the scarlet letter being cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I see a crimson stream of blood. It flows from Calvary. Its waves, which reach the throne of God, are sweeping over me. Mm. Aren't you thankful? For the blood of Jesus. It washes away every trace of sin. Now, I don't know about you, but I've done some laundry before and there's still been a smudge mark and a stain, but it's not like that tie that your husband won't take off at the restaurant on church, at, at, uh, after church on Sunday, where he constantly gets it and you just end up throwing it away because you can never get the stain off of it. I'm here today to tell you that the blood of Jesus removes even, there's no smudge mark. There is nothing. I stopped my packing, and I ran into the kitchen, and I got the grocery list paper out, and I wrote down the words, Jesus carried your shame, your sin. It was nailed to the cross, so you don't have to carry it anymore. Hallelujah. Oh, and I feel strongly in the Holy Ghost that there is something that God needs to do in so many of our lives, and I get to preach this to myself every time I preach it, but he wants to release us into what he has for us, but that means letting go of some things as individuals, as churches. Hallelujah. And I'm ready to walk in it. Are you ready to walk in it with the liberty? Jesus Christ went to give you liberty. Now, I love to talk about healing and hope because I've been broken and desperate. I wasn't raised in the church. I was, when I share my testimony, I say, I was everything you didn't want your girl to be. I came from a lot of brokenness, many marriages, stepfathers that didn't act fatherly. Okay? I know what it's like to be broken, but I also know that God can make us whole. Hallelujah. We have a God who heals. We have a God who restores hope. But I also know the truth is that you can be healed from life's wounds and you can have the hope of heaven in your heart, but you can still have a wrong perspective of who you are. And you might know Jesus paid the price for your sin, but did you know that he took the shame too? Hallelujah, because sin and shame are not the same thing. And you might know that he has paid the price for your sin, but the enemy wants to paralyze you and constrain you in a straitjacket, cause shame that will keep you from stepping out and doing the things that God has called you to do. I'm here today to call it out hallelujah Jesus didn't just bear your griefs he didn't just bear your sorrows he didn't just bear your sicknesses he took your shame so don't ever be ashamed for what's already under the blood hallelujah it's already forgiven there is therefore no condemnation yeah we're clapping about it now but what about tomorrow what about yesterday? How come we don't live like this? That's what we've got to talk about today. And I know what the Bible says. Yeah, I know it says that, but I don't feel that way right now. I don't feel. I, I, I know what I did. I know I, I don't feel that way. Well, my friend, sometimes you just got to take yourself by the, the collar, your own collar, and say, Emotions, you are not the boss of me emotions. You are not the boss of me. I feel you. I know what you're saying to me. And maybe there was some truth in that, but that's not my truth anymore. Hallelujah. The word of God is going to rule my life, not my fickle emotions. Us girls, we can be this high one minute and down here in about 30 seconds, multiple times a day. Now, don't get me wrong, if if you are living with sin, if you're not right with the Lord, then there is some feeling that. But Jesus doesn't want to condemn you. He wants to compel you to come and experience his grace. The conviction of God is the mercy of God. If you've been doing something that's separating you from God, he's saying, hey, sis, let me show you the better way. And maybe it's a little uncomfortable while he's talking to us about it. But he's got a better way for you and me to live. But if we've repented and we've been baptized, Jesus took the sin and the shame and he separated it from us. If you have not been perfect since you got baptized. Anybody not been perfect? Since you got baptized, you still have access to the grace and the mercy of God. Jesus Christ went to the sin, to the Calvary for all the sin. He went to the cross for all the sin. He went to the cross for all the sin of the past. For the people that were born and died before he was ever even... Uh, Incarnated in the body of Jesus Christ. He went to Calvary for the sin of today. And if you've got something that you need to get rid of today, today is the day of salvation. But he went to Calvary for the sin of tomorrow. Because he knows we're just dust. But he's still mindful of us. And he comes and he visits us. He empowers us. He restores us. He heals us. He loves us. If you've got something wrong, you can get it right. And once you do, it says in John chapter 8 and verse 36, If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, you shall be free. Indeed. 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 I love that word indeed at the end of that sentence he couldn't have to add that on there he could have just said you know it's actually poor grammar to do that if you want to do some self-editing that's repetition you need to cut that word off but Jesus said oh I want that word in there I want them to know that I'm talking about what I really mean I really want them to get it it's like a holy ghost exclamation point you are free and I really mean it
3: You are free indeed. It's real. It's true. It's for you. It's for you. It's for you. Hallelujah. I'm
1: free and it's real. Hallelujah. It's real today and it's real tomorrow. So I went back to my bedroom and I continued my packing. And do you know, I was right in the middle of a Holy Ghost hijack. Anybody ever been there before? Right. In the middle, because another song came on, and again, I, you probably think I cry a lot while I'm packing. Well, this day I was, because another song came on, and I heard the words: "There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Enuel's veins." And sinners plunged beneath that blood, lose all their guilt. Stains, all their guilty stains, they lose all their guilty stains. Every sinner plunged beneath that flood loses all, all, all the guilty stains. God, you haven't tucked some of my sin and shame in your back pocket to bring it out on some day and play a trick on me. God, you meant it, and you mean it, and you mean it today, and you mean it for tomorrow. Hebrews 12, 2 tells us that Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. And for the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross, despising the shame. Well, what does that mean? What does it mean that he despised the shame? I'll tell you what it means. It means he disregarded it. They stripped him completely naked. They abused his body. They pulled his You, I think you're worth it. He knew what it was going to cost him in Gethsemane. He went willingly because he thought that you were worth it. I used to think about God with this big club like that whack-a-mole game. She messed up again. No, no. He's saying, get up again. Get up again. Get up again. Hallelujah. Jesus hung naked. He was punished so you could be forgiven. He was wounded so you could be healed. He was rejected so that you could be accepted. He was cut off so you could be joined in. He was made to be sin, your sin, so that you could be made righteous with his righteousness. He carried your shame so you could carry his glory. He carried your shame so you could carry his glory. We can't live a cocktail life of a mixture of shame and glory. It's not going to work. He took the shame so you could carry his glory. They were never meant to be carried in the same package. So yes, you may have been disgraced. And you may have done some disgraceful things like I did. But by the blood of the lamb, he erases every disgrace. (laughs) When we're in Christ, walking after the spirit and not after the flesh. And we know this, but yet there are so many people that are still tormented with a sense of shame And yes, sometimes it's a shame for our own sin. We need to get that right. But I'll tell you, my sister, the enemy takes advantage of us precious daughters. The enemy will come and he will tell you that even though you were never a party to the things that were done to you, even though you never wanted it, even though you fought it, The enemy will tell you, shame on you. You're not worthy. But that is a lie. That is a lie. The word of God does not hold any person accountable for someone else's sin. It's in the book. It's in the book. And if you're feeling unworthy because of what someone else has done to you, I'm here today to tell you that believe the lie my friend don't believe the lie hallelujah he thinks you're worth it but the victims the the innocent ones are never to carry the shame for what some self-serving sinner did to them and it's time to stand up and say that i refuse to be ashamed for what someone else did to me I refuse to be ashamed. Woo! Do you feel liberty in the house? And there's a day to stand up, dear mother of a prodigal, and say that I refuse to be ashamed for my kids' stupid choices. Oh, don't you think the enemy won't try to silence you when your kid messes up? I wrote the book, The Girl in the Dress, and my daughter left and said, I'll never be the girl in the dress. And the enemy came. No, I didn't see him. No, no ears, no tail. But I was hit with thoughts. That's what he does, right? Girl, you better sit down and shut up. Who's going to listen to you anyway? Look at your own girl. Sit down and shut up. Well, that was a long time ago, and that was a few books ago, and I'm here today to tell you that you can't listen to the voice of the enemy that tries to silence you because of what your children have done. No more, if, what, if your husband has left you, whatever has happened, whatever voice is coming against you, God says, you stand before me alone. Just you. It's all in your hands. You and Jesus. And he wants you to be absolutely free. He wants you to be free from the shame, not just of what all that stuff, but the shame of the time that you tried to give a tongues and interpretation and blew it. Because guess what? We're all in this process of learning and growing in the Spirit. And if you don't think the enemy's not going to tell you, well, you better sit down and shut up and not try that again. He will. But that's not real. That's not true. God wants to use you. He wants us to grow. How many of us, if we were... We have our children and they're they're toddlers. They just start pulling up on the coffee table and then they take that first step all on their own and we clap and then they fall. Do we stand up and go, you stupid loser, Junior? No. We clap and say, you did it. You took your first step. Now you can take another one and you can learn and you can get stronger and you can grow. There is no shame. Do you think I've said everything just right every time I've taught a message? Oh, no, I have it on video for all the world to see. Should we sit down and be quiet because we made a mistake? No! No! No, that's the enemy trying to shut you down. And I'm here today to help you see that Jesus Christ has already set you free. But we can't allow those thoughts to hinder us. God wants us to be absolutely free from shame. We cannot let shame make us be stagnant. And we've got to refuse to be ashamed. It's already under the blood. He bore your shame. It was nailed to the cross. He took your shame so you could have his glory. And what does that old song say? We trade our sorrow for the joy of the Lord. I'm trading my shame, I'm trading it for the joy. Of the Lord. But the devil doesn't want you to live like that. You think he's just going to say, oh, well, I give up. No, he's not. He doesn't want you to live in that kind of magnificence and power. He wants you to wear a scarlet letter on your chest, and he's going to remind you, well, don't you remember who you are? Don't you remember what you did when you were 14 at the basketball game? I know what you, you know. What you did, they might think you didn't do it, but you and I, we know what you did, and so then we get these feelings: I'm unworthy, I'm unworthy, I'm unworthy. So I guess it's true. I did do those things, so I'll put my A on. What does my A stand for? Accused. The accuser of the brethren. He's coming. He's trying to remind you, you know what you did. You know who you are. You're not good enough. You better stop trying. You should probably quit teaching that Sunday school class. And girl, if you get up there and sing one more time. (laughs) No. The devil is the accuser of the brethren. That's what the Word of God says. And if you will notice, those thoughts are not coming from where the Holy Ghost lives with you. Those thoughts are coming right here. You better stop that. You better stop that. But we cannot agree with it. If we will listen to that for too long, it's going to start becoming part of our internal processes, that inner voice we were talking about earlier. We've got to not agree with that thinking that's coming to us externally or it's going to become a part of who we think that we are. We don't even recognize that it's the voice of the enemy because we know we did that. And over time, our consciousness can be programmed to believe The enemy's lie. And we can begin to receive condemnation for something that Jesus already gave his life to free us from. Who wants to sign up to agree with the father of lies? Not me. Or we can agree with the word of God. His word is truth. So you know, devil, since we're talking here, I don't like to talk to the devil, but you know, since you've been, you've been talking to me, I want to talk to you about my A. I want to talk to you about this A, but I need to talk to you about my bloodwashed A because my blood-washed A says that I am no longer accused or accusable. The, the, the charge has already been remitted from my record. I've got a blood-washed A, and this A stands for acquitted. I've been acquitted. It doesn't matter what you say. I'm acquitted. I've been set free. Hallelujah. I'm not going to live under the guilt and the condemnation because I've been exonerated. Every charge has been discharged. I've been released and set free, and when it's time for judgment, the book is gonna be open, and the Lord is gonna say, Lori Wagner, acquitted on all accounts. Yeah, 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 yeah. Acquitted. So why don't we live like that? It's because of that illusion, it's a wrong perception. And it robs us of who we are in Christ, the reality. But could you just think about the wild possibilities of living unashamed and unashamable? Our debt was paid, yours was paid, and whatever it is that you're carrying around today, there's blood for that, there's grace. For that, there is a fountain and it's flowing right now. Hallelujah. And by the way, devil, since we're having this conversation that you initiated, there's this thing called double jeopardy. That means I can't be tried twice on the same charge. So talk to the hand. I'm not listening. I can't be found guilty on something I've already been declared innocent. Hallelujah. Jesus Christ took the fall for me. He took the fall. He paid the price. And Satan you took a fall and someday you're going to be you're going to be gone. But Jesus took the fall and he did it on purpose because he loves us. He took all the spiritual consequences for the fall in the garden on Calvary. And Satan might have thought he won a war. He, he on calvary but he didn't he took the consequences and he purified us hallelujah and that same god is here today he's crying out i paid the price i took it all come i think that's his favorite word come come to me come up higher come close come and i'll make you wider than snow hallelujah there's power in the blood wonder work and power and if you're saved and you're still struggling with shame's accusations, I want you to know that you don't have to just stand there and take it. The law says that the accused has a right to counsel when they are being judged. And you have a counselor today. You never stand alone. Jesus is your counselor and your advocate. And I can just hear him right now if it please the court. I'd like to call three witnesses on their behalf. The water, the blood, and the spirit. Hallelujah. And those three witnesses are going to testify. They went down in the water in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. The blood of Jesus Christ has removed every stain, and my spirit is upon them. They have been sealed are going to testify on your behalf that Jesus paid it all. And there is a fount where sinners lose all the guilty stain. And the power of the cross is more than just getting saved one day, but that today you and I stand forgiven. Today today you're forgiven just the same as that time when you got up out of that water in the name of jesus and you felt whiter than snow lighter than air you god wants you to feel that way every day every day when you repent of your sins and go down in the water and the blood is applied when you receive the spirit of god you that acquittal is sealed and god takes what the devil has labeled you and he re-identifies you for himself. And this is what I want you to remember. You have been re-labeled. You have been re-identified. You have been renamed. I told you my A stands for uh, not for accused but acquitted. But he's done more than that. The devil has a, a big R on some of us. Rejected. You deal with rejection for whatever source, whatever. But I want you to know that God has taken that label, that label of rejection, and he says, no. You're restored. You're redeemed. He says, You're royal. <laughs> You're royal together. You're a princess. You're a princess. I mean, we're all royalty, right? We are all royal. The enemy wants us to be labeled with rejected, and God says, no, they're restored. They are righteous. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> and the enemy wants to put an L on some of you, and some of us, it's because you've been wearing the R, and you feel like, loser. But God says, no. That L You've been wearing that L, losing, no, lovely, lovable, to die for, to die for, and how about liberated? I just thought of that one today, liberated, hallelujah the last letter, we could go through the whole alphabet together, but this one is really important, especially for so many of us ladies. There's a V, a victim. You've been victimized, so yes, you're a victim forever and ever. Victim, victim, victim. Is that what the Word of God says? No, he said, I have made you victorious. I have made you victorious. And do you know how valuable you are to me? You're worth what he paid for you. What did he pay for you? The very blood of Jesus Christ. That's how much you are worth. You are valuable. So it is time to let the perceptions that have been stopping you and stalling you and stagnating you to be free from those. Because guess what? Sometimes we can even let those things become idols in our lives. If you're letting those feelings dictate what you're going to do and say above the word of God. We've got to cast those things down. We can dress it up and call it humility all we want to. But feelings of inadequacy, insecurity, and unworthiness, if we're going to let those stop us from doing what God is calling us to do, those are high things and they got to come down. they got to come down. They're ruling entities in our lives. They're stopping us from fulfilling the plan of God. We've got to believe what His Word says about us. The Israelites wandered in the desert for 40 years. They were delivered from slavery. They didn't have to live that way. And how many of us today have been liberated from our sin, but we're still in the bondage in our minds. God wants us to be free. And this A that I'm wearing, I believe that it stands for acquitted, but the Lord told me that it also stands for arise. Arise. Arise and shine for your light has come. You're not sitting in the darkness anymore. The glory of the Lord, not the shame, the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. It's time to rise up. It's time to arise. And do you know, if you look up the meaning of that word, I love it. It doesn't mean just to stand up. It means to come on the scene. It means to be bold and powerful It's time to arise. It's time to come on the scene, not because you're all that, but because he's all that. And because he created you with destiny, he created you with purpose. You've been created in the very image of God. The name of the God Almighty is upon you. His favor is upon you. You have been approved and acquitted. It doesn't matter what your name is. It matters that it's written in the annals of heaven. It's time to stand up and be a daughter of Christ, to rise and to shine and to take your place with boldness and with confidence because you're not going to be silenced anymore by guilt or shame. You're going to embrace who God created you to be, your unique purpose and destiny. God has talented you. God has gifted you. God has called you. And you were destined. There's one of my favorite lines is that he's put seeds of destiny in your soul. God did that. He planted seeds of destiny and purpose in your soul. And I believe that this weekend the light's going to shine on them. The water is going to pour on them. The weeds are going to get pulled. And God is going to do something beautiful. But first, we have to be able to come to God, open and unafraid. And shame will cause us to hide like Adam and Eve. And God is inviting us today. I already know everything about you and I love you, and I want you. We're gonna spend some time at the altar tonight, as long as you want, and we're gonna get some things right with God. I invite the musicians and singers to come. God wants to do a work of changing our perception the things that we dwell on, the things that we allow us to formulate our identity. He wants us to know that we are his daughters and that we have something more. Today is the day to respond. Today is a day to open every doorway in the chamber of your soul. We let him in so far, and we'll receive the gift of the Spirit, but there's kind of like little corners and crevices that things get tucked inside there by life. And the Holy Ghost wants to come in today, and he wants to send the living water into every crevice and dislodge the things that got put in there. He wants to bring healing and cleansing. Wherever the river of living water flows, there's cleansing, there's healing, there's healing, And there's a new fruitfulness and multiplication. He thought you were worth saving. He disregarded all the pain and suffering so that you could walk in freedom. He wants you to hear his voice and respond. I invite you to stand with me today. Hallelujah. Jesus, we love you today. I believe that you've been speaking to people. We're all in different places. We all have different experiences. But it's time to drop some baggage. It's time to take off the straitjacket. It's time to lift up our head and come before you open and unafraid. You've taken the shame so we could carry your glory. And we want to be vessels of your glory. God, let your word minister to the deep places in your precious daughter's lives today. I pray that there would be liberty in the house as the free flow of your spirit moves, moves in the chambers of our souls today and frees us from the debilitating misperceptions and lies and accusations that try to hinder us. God, you have set us free indeed. I want to say it again. Indeed. Indeed. He set you free. It's real. It's really for you. It's really for you. It's really for you. Come to this altar and let's pray today. Let's pray. God knows right where each one of us is at. He knows the need. He he knows exactly what he's placed in your heart time to refuse to be ashamed anymore by the things of your past. You shall forget the shame of your youth and you shall not be hamstrung by that anymore. You will be free and you will walk with confidence. You will walk with the boldness because God has called you his own. He has put his name upon you. He has cleansed you. He's made you new. You have a call Fear not, for you will not be ashamed. There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. The Spirit of the Lord is here. The Spirit of the Lord is here. To you today, God. Open our understanding, align our thoughts with your thoughts. God, give us the wisdom and the discernment to know where the voices are coming from and what you agree with and what to shut out. I speak liberty in the name of Jesus. I speak healing in the name of Jesus. I speak a revelation in the name of Jesus. I speak freedom in the name of Jesus. I speak deliverance from the shame and the guilt to the voices of condemnation. I speak in the name of Jesus.
2: You seem beautiful, and you're helping me to believe, oh, you're restoring me peace, by peace.
3: now in the presence of God he is speaking okay he's speaking this is not a coincidence that she mentioned some of the things that you have been living she mentioned some of the things you have been thinking there were time after time after time where God repeated things throughout this service before she ever took the microphone The power of God is real enough to handle your situation. So many times I think, well, my situation is just my situation. But it's not. He has overshadowed you. He has seen you. Since you were one cell being in your mother's belly, He was there beside you. When I was 10, there was a pedophile in my church. And nobody knew but me. Because he found me and he did whatever he wanted to do to me. And I'm not gonna tell that story today, but I'm saying that to you because I never told anybody what happened. I was too afraid. He said he'd kill me and I believed him. But for 30 years, that one experience, that period of a few months of my life, changed my perspective of who I was. I was stupid, I was naive, I was just a crazy kid who should have gotten herself out of that mess. And for 30 years I had different kinds of relationships than I should have had. I had different self-esteem than I should have had. My whole life was different because of one person. And it took me 30 years to realize it. There are people here today. And you're saying, you know, she's talking about big stuff. I haven't had that big bad stuff happen to me. I've been a pretty good person. It doesn't have to be big stuff to change your perspective of who you are and pull you completely out of the realm that God wanted you to be in. Right. There are people in this house that have always hated how they looked. Yeah. And you have thought how much you hated how you looked. I can't stand how I look. Why did God make me this way? Why don't I ever fit in? And you never made friends. Yeah. And you've walked alone yes. because you were self-critical. I could hear the voice of God saying, Somebody in this house thinks they're too fat to be loved. Somebody in this house thinks they're too poor to be loved. Somebody in this house hates when they look in the mirror because they don't like X, Y, or Z. And the same person that they are is exactly who I died for. How much of who you think you are is based upon thoughts stuck in your filter because of something that happened to you when you were a single digit. There are people in this house who have never accepted the call of God on their life because they were too scared. I'm afraid. I can't speak. People don't respect me. Do you see how that removes God's plan for your life? Can you do me a favor? If you're age 55 and older would you come to the front if you're 55 and older would you just stand along the front all along the front just fill up this front altar and turn out and face everybody out there do we have anybody 55 or older? you can't lie you're in church okay no lying all right now this is the older generation pardon me for calling you older But this is the generation who has seen it all. They have lived most of the stuff that we're talking about living. They have watched their peers go through the stuff that we're talking about living. This is the power generation because you know what? They made it here all this time. And some of them might have had thoughts of suicide. And they didn't do it. Because God freed them from it. They might have had thoughts of self-hatred, but they didn't do anything about it. Got freedom from it. Now, you young people, 54 and younger, I know there's people here who are struggling with something and you just didn't come forward. Would you please come forward and find a place in front of these ladies? And you ladies in the front, you're going to put your hands on as many people as you can. You're going to put your hand on their forehead and you're going to call a word of faith. You're going to call for the power of God. Whatever that person has their need, if it's in their mind, if it's in their heart, if it's in their experience, you're going to call on freedom. If you're dealing with fear today, it cannot exist in the house of God. No fear. So ladies, come and stand in front of one of these women and when they put their hand on your head, they're going to pray loud in the name of Jesus. And when they do, expect the power of God to fall on you. Can you do it? Right now. Come on forward. In Jesus' name, we speak a word of faith over all these young people. Right now, God, let your word touch their heart. Come on, don't be afraid. They're going to pray for you. They're going to pray for you. They're going to pray for the stuff you're dealing with that nobody knows about. They're going to pray for you, the stuff you've never told anybody because you've been afraid to say so. You didn't want to be labeled as not having faith. You didn't want to be labeled as not being a woman of God, but Jesus knows what you're struggling with and he can reveal it to these people as they pray for you in the name of Jesus Christ we call on all fear to go in Jesus name all fear has to leave there cannot be fear in the house of God we speak faith Faith. healing over hearts healing over circumstances healing over pain right now in Jesus name
4: in the house of the lord right now you want to know why because we're free tonight I'm free. there's freedom in the room tonight I'm free. Whoa. i don't know about you but i feel it up here i feel it in this place there's freedom in the room right now you broke the chains the shame has come off of you why don't you just stand for just a minute Your neighbor and say I'm free. High five another neighbor and say you're free. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Wasn't that such a great word tonight? Well, let's give Sister Lori Wagner a hand clap tonight for obeying the Holy Ghost. say it's dinner time it's dinner time in the house of the Lord you can be making your way over to the S&P Wilson Center the gym over there we're going to have a great time over there you have some great food and fellowship you're dismissed tonight in Jesus name